super excited today on the Naked Podcaster. This is a coaching call with Belinda Zilberman. How are you? I'm doing well. Nice to see you. Again, I know. So I love these because I get to reconnect. Your website is Pikea Mediation, not meditation, mediation. <laughs> Jump in. I love, I love our 15 minutes of shameless self-promotion. Really dive into the website and what you do. Oh, gosh. Well, I will tell you a little bit about the website, though it's all changing in a few months. So my website is Pikea Mediation. I've had a mediation practice in Portland, Oregon for almost 10 years, uh, working primarily with families, um, couples pre, during, and post-divorce. I work with a lot of blended families post-divorce. Um, and more and more, I'm actually working with struggling couples who are anywhere from six months to five or 10 years pre-divorce, who don't want to get divorced, who see earlier on that um, it would be beneficial to be in a process to really help them get either on track with really clear agreements um, and understanding why they're in relationship um, or choosing new paths. And so I wrote a book to that message. So I published a book in August of 2019. It's coming out in hard copy in like two weeks. And oh. it's called What Happened to My Happily Ever After? Uh, the Radical Approach to Revitalizing Your Marriage or Divorcing with Love. And, uh, and this is the work that I am moving more and more into, which is really about... Um, this recognition that we are all experiencing conflict, if not on a daily basis in, in sort of um, discrete ways, certainly on a monthly or annual basis, love, death, uh, divorce, transitions, change, seasons, navigating parenting, navigating relationships, all of this, and that most of us were not raised as children or young adults with a conscious awareness of a skill set and a, a mindset of how to navigate those those conflicts that are actually just a very natural part of life. And so I'm really interested now in not sort of resolving immediate conflicts as they arise. It's sort of like giving a person a fish as opposed to teaching them how to fish. Mm -hmm. I want to teach people how to fish and all of my efforts are going to that end. So I'm excited for the call today because I think we will we'll do some uh, fishing lessons. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, it also sounds like you're working more towards a preventative medicine sort of approach. Yeah, I think it's, um, I, I think that's one way to put it for sure. I also think that uh, I use these, these terms content and context of our lives. I think we, we are, uh, sort of educated to focus on the content of our lives, who we're in relationship with, our houses, our jobs, our clothes, our body, how we look, all this kind of stuff. And we're often not looking at the context, which is what are my belief systems? What are my values? Why am I in this relationship to begin with? Where, you know, what made me want to be in relationship? Why marriage? Why not marriage? Like this is the context. And so my focus is you know, when people come to me, they want to get divorced. We're focusing on the content, right? What's the parenting plan and who gets what and all this kind of stuff. When they come to me five or 10 years before, we're talking context. We're not really talking 
what's going on. Of course, I have to have, but, and that's what we say, give me some context. Share with me the context. Well, right, when I think this, I say this, he responds this way, right? Like getting, getting kind of to the background, what's in the background all the time of, of what we're thinking, what we're believing, conscious or unconscious, that is informing what's in the foreground, which is the decisions I'm making, the choices I'm making, the, the reactions I'm having, the responses I'm having. Um, does that make sense? Yes, I actually love that. I think it's always been my opinion, and I I got out of a couple relationships before I had this opinion, that if I go to a job interview, it's all laid out. The questions are laid out, what the expectations are, do I fit the criteria of this job? You get the job and you have a 30-day review and a 90-day review, and I know, probably a lot of people feel like, well, that's not what a loving relationship is like. But I think we do that the least with the most important relationship, which is our spouse or partner. What are your expectations? What do you want? What are you not happy with? What are your deal breakers? Do I fit the criteria? We make it so emotional that that would be the context. You want a relationship. Well, what is that in context to what? What does that mean to you? Right. Where are you those know? annual reviews? Where are the reviews? <laughs> There's no 30 day, 60 day, 90 day. And I think, you know, a prenup is often looked at as financial, but why can't it be emotional? I want date night every week. It's really important to me to the, you know, why can't it be those things more like a job description? Well, and the only thing that I've ever heard that sort of met that kind of criteria would be people who are of a religious faith mm-hmm. um who go to like a pastor you know or someone in their you know minister and do some of that premarital they call it counseling but i don't really think it's counseling or it is it's a person yeah. who is counseling them and asking them to ask questions and be in a really thoughtful process for anywhere from a few weeks months or even maybe a year before choosing to get married so that they're they're entering into it with a lot more awareness and consciousness and intention of what they're going to create as opposed to, yeah, uh, going into it thinking I've got all these wonderful warm feelings for you. Life just seems so grand and we've made it a couple years. Now let's get married and then hope for the best. (laughs) Right. And then I call it the bills are due. And when the bills are due, it's not like it actually paying a bill. It's like, it's just when stuff starts to happen, that's normal life stuff that you're not prepared to deal with, with this person because you didn't do that front end work of that job description kind of, or your expectations. So yeah, that's tough. And I've been divorced and blended families and have strained relationships with my parents. So I've done probably all of them. And I just think it's lack of communication on the front end. It's not about like, he gives me flowers and he's so sweet and I love the way he kisses and that's not gonna do it in the end. Right, but I'll tell you that this, you know, lack of communication, it probably, I'm gonna say 90% of the people I've worked with would name as the top three issues. Okay. Lack of communication. Yeah. And. I would put that in the content again. I wouldn't put it in the context. I think the thing that we're not realizing, whether it's a 
difficult relationship with a parent, a child, a spouse, a friend, an employee, or a boss, I think that the difficult part is, is the context, meaning if, if we didn't spend the time thinking about what we wanted in a relationship, what were sort of, I don't even like using the word expectation so much, but what were the needs I was looking to meet in being in a relationship? How, how do I get those needs met if, it's, if the relationship's not meeting them? Uh, what's the point of being in a relationship to begin with? You know, as a child, you know, diving into that, that relationship, a child with one's parents, many of us might say, well, I didn't really have a choice about that relationship, right? <laughs> like, didn't have a choice. Now, we could get really spiritual, and if you want to go pre-birth, we could say, well, in fact, you did have a choice. I believe that. I think if we're souls having a human experience, if we're spiritual beings having a human experience, it makes complete sense to me that in whatever way we do this, pre-physical earth birth, uh, we had some kind of say in what kind of experiences we were going to choose on the planet. If you take that pathway and you really believe I did have some say in this, then it reframes everything you're experiencing with your parents. Because if you say, I had a choice and I chose this, then you will be asking different questions. Not like, why did they do this? Why are they like this? Trying to, you know, this is what most people are asking when they're in relationship conflict. The questions instead would be questions like, why did I choose this? What did I come to learn? What did I come to experience? Uh, how are they the perfect teacher for me? Uh, what part, of my, what part of my human beingness am I trying to explore in this relationship? So this whole question, again, of context versus content, it's like if I'm really asking these bigger questions that are very personal and, and they're all about ownership of my own experience, how I experience someone like a parent, and our parents are probably the most challenging relationships we have, but I think there's a reason for that. Now, I have a reason for that. I'd be curious to know if you have a reason for that, if you've ever thought about that. I do believe that we choose. So I do believe that, and I also believe that we go through some sort of forgetfulness. We're born as infants. You know, if you've ever looked at an infant and think they know everything. Like I know, I know it's all right there. Mm. Um, and I think we go through that and as little kids, it's great to have the conversation now as an adult about how, yeah, I chose my parents. And so what was I learning? Why did I choose them? What were they teaching me? What was I teaching them? What was that interaction? What did that mean? Um, we don't have that as we're going through our childhood, you know? And so, but I do believe that we choose them even in believing that, allowing that relationship with the parents to make mistakes in adult relationships now. Does that make sense? So I chose them and I went through that and they taught me and I learned, but I'm still screwing it up. <laughs> well, <laughs> even with that knowledge. <laughs> once again, that's context. What does okay. screwing up mean? Uh, well, okay. This is one thing I was really hoping that we would touch on today. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Okay. So, 
if I've got, if I am in love with someone and I marry them and things happen in the relationship, I know in my, in my case, I went to therapy. I wanted to save that relationship. Um, now maybe the type of therapy or the person I found wasn't right for that situation, but I was, I did all of the steps because I wanted to save the relationships when they were ending and they still ended. Um, that feels like failure. Because which is a horrible word, right? Why? It's Tell me why. Why does that feel like failure? It means that you just screwed it up and did it all wrong. What was right? What was a right kind of relationship supposed to look like? Staying married and working through it. Says who? I don't know. See, this is that whole, <laughs> it's this, it's this hamster wheel that as I've gotten older, okay, well, my relationship with my mom hasn't been a failure. It's been very tense. My relationships in the past should not have continued going in the state that they were in. And it was in my best interest to end that. Absolutely. I have no question so let's, about that. Let's pause for a second. Okay. So, so again, context, you had a belief that a successful quote unquote successful relationship means get married, live for the next 80 years and then die together. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you had that belief and a right. lot of people have that belief. And so we're measuring, so just noticing. Now, what most of us don't do who had that belief was pause until we are in the middle of divorce, myself <laughs> included, to be like, wait a minute. So I had that belief and I'm judging myself because based on that belief, I am bad, I am wrong, I did fail and, I'm, and that means I'm not lovable or I'm not a good person or whatever else it is. And going down that path, what, you know, I went down that path for a while and it was like, you know what, this doesn't feel very satisfying. Like, what am I learning from this path? Judgment, 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 judgment. Whoo, like so much judgment, right? At one point, and really it's, it's, I think the sort of the beginning of the process that, that I use now with myself on a daily basis and with clients was to pause and say, wait a minute, if if belief systems are the way by which we decide how to walk through the world, right? I have a set of beliefs or set of core values, and this is sort of my, they're my touchstone. They're my, my guiding light. This is how, then would I choose something that somebody told me, somebody conditioned me to believe, would I choose that if it went against what I feel is really correct for me, or that, or you could even say the choices I keep, see, excuse me, the choices I seem to keep making are not aligned with that belief system. So, so something's got to change. Otherwise you go crazy, mm -hmm. right? I mean, this is, this is why, you know, let's use like another example. It's not personal to me, but like so many young gay and men and women right? They grew up with this core belief, right? This belief system uh, that you're supposed to marry somebody from the opposite sex. You're supposed to be in a relationship. This is what, how it was, right? Mm -hmm. Certainly I've, I have friends in their fifties and sixties and seventies who, right? It was like gayness was like a disease, right? And so they grew up with this belief system and, and they're in continuous conflict, right? Until the day that they say, look, either I'm going to let go of that belief system and choose what feels correct for me 
there are going to be consequences, right? There are going to be people I might not be able to be in relationship with anymore, might have to risk certain things, but I'm going to live true to myself. Or I have to stay with that belief system and not live true to myself. You have to make a choice at some point. But I think what we're really sort of bringing to the surface is what so much, so many of us are struggling with, I think, in relationships that are struggling is we are living based on a set of belief systems that we might not even be consciously aware of, but that are this underlying kind of, it's almost like a feeling, right? When you're doing something and you're like, oh, it just feels wrong. It feels bad, but you couldn't even necessarily put words to it, right? This choice, this action, this person, whatever it is. And working, navigating through conflict in relationships in particular is really step one is literally about pausing, taking a step back and saying, do I even believe this? And I'm going to say shit because a lot of it is shit because it's just so out of alignment with who we feel we are in this moment. And yet we're just taking all this baggage, which is baggage for us, a set of beliefs that that is not it may not be relevant today. It may be, it's based on, you know, 40, 50, 60, 100 years ago, how people were thinking then, how they were raised. I mean, we could go on and on. Um, I agree. And it's hard to get out of that. I mean, there's nothing in me that would ever go back to any relationship that I've been in that's ended. There's nothing in me that would go back to that. But it's losing it's, it's getting rid of that feeling that it, by ending a relationship that was somehow a failure. And that was, I think the first thing that was difficult for me. And I think it would be easier to let go of if kids weren't involved. Because? Because then it's not just uh, fine. I didn't, I didn't fail, but it's the way that a divorce hurts the kids. Does it have to? No, I, you know what? I felt like I did a really great job navigating the divorce and the kids and the kids actually don't have baggage much from that. It taught me to be able to tell them that if you're in a relationship that you feel isn't healthy for you for any reason, I mean, my reason could be very different from theirs, that you shouldn't stay in it. You should honor yourself. So it was a good teaching moment. Um, I don't think any of my kids have ever come forward and said anything negative about the fact that I was divorced, but it was much more difficult to navigate parenting. It was much more difficult. There was more, there were um, more issues or tension in co-parenting from two separate households. And I could tell you probably the same number of people out there who are struggling to parent their children who are married. As in our, the same household. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's a okay, different set of challenges, but it is. challenges nonetheless, right? Well, okay. So this is the issue. I had six of my kids came forward and said that, that their dad was physically abusing them. Mm. And what if I had been around to stop that from happening? What if his stress was, you know, and he even said at one point, you're in a relationship, you have someone to help you and I don't. And I said, mm -hmm. yes, you do. You have me. I'm their mom. Mm -hmm. So if the, if it comes down to being a good parent or a parent that is abusive, there's a lot of space in between that I could have helped navigate. You didn't give me the opportunity to help you navigate that at all with the kids. Instead, you abused them for a few years until they finally came forward. Mm -hmm. 
So would I have stayed to buffer that? No. How ridiculous is that? But it still is tough. Yes, I'm sure in every situation it goes both ways. And I've blended families. So when you've been raising your kids for a while as a single parent and you've gotten good at your way of doing it and you bring another human being on who's good at their way of doing it, but your ways of doing it aren't the same. Mm -hmm. Yes, I understand that. I mean, like, yes, you can be in the same house parenting kids and it's not going well because you're in the same house. I don't think in the end that there's any right answer or wrong way to do these things, but coming to peace with, um, I'm not even going to say guilt. I think my biggest word has been shame. Like shame when I went back to work that I couldn't do as much as my boss wanted and I couldn't be with my kids as much and I couldn't, I was spread too thin or I didn't pick up the signals that my kids were being abused. There, I mean, even like years and years later, I don't know, there were no signals. I didn't, mm-hmm. I don't look back retrospectively and think, oh, I, I missed those because I there wasn't anything for me to miss. But it's just feeling like you're trying to balance it all and not screwing it up. And when kids are involved, I, I'm okay if I get my, if you hurt my feelings, I'm okay. But when my kids' feelings get trampled in the process, that's very, very hard. For sure. Because you're, we're all kids who had our feelings trampled at one time or another. For sure. Right? Right. So I think my baggage has just been in that, in that guilt or that shame of not having things go as well as you want for your kids. Yeah. And I, you know, you said something earlier that I think is really telling. It's like a lot of us who are a little bit more woke, like to say a sentence that sounds something like there isn't a right or wrong way. There's just our way. And when we say that, I think we, we kind of skate over the fact that if we're still feeling shame and some self-judgment and some guilt, we are still holding on to a belief that there's a right way. Hmm. Even if you're not so much going back and saying, I have all these regrets and all this kind of stuff, we're still judging ourselves against some standard, right? And, and I think this is so important to spend some time really thinking about. Again, whether it's, I wish it could have been different when I, like you said, I could have done more at work. I could have seen more. I could have, right? So that's, of course, about the past. And maybe you're like, well, I'm not spending so much time on the past. But even today, I woke up and my kids got to school late because I was a late or I didn't make a fresh meal for their breakfast. I made them, you know, waffles from the freezer. And, right, and like any time, and many, maybe it's many times in a day where we're like, oh, I wish I could have done that better. Oh, we don't have to go back 20 years Right, we can just go back to this morning's breakfast and be, you know. And I think that this is like, and it's not just a female thing. It's 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 not a gender thing. It's it's like a societal thing of like, what's good enough? What is good enough? Like, can I just have a day? Can I just focus on today, not judging anything? First and foremost, not judging myself for the thoughts I'm having or not having, the things I did or didn't do, the things I got done or didn't get done, right? Can I, can I start to learn how to sit in more of an observer role in my life, in all areas of my life, and notice more, as opposed to what we do is we see something and we're automatically judging it. Good, bad, right, wrong, better, worse, right? It's like we're measuring it in some way 
which is exhausting. And I really mm-hmm. feel like that's what you're asking is like, how do I feel less shame? Well, part of it is, I'm not gonna say the whole thing, but at least part of it is, how do I stop judging myself all the time for it not being good enough? Because I have this belief that it's never good enough. I don't want to maybe admit that. But when I'm constantly feeling this way, it, in my observation, I think it's, it's indicating that there is something that's running you underneath that's saying, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough, not good enough. I have an insight to that because something happened with my mother a week ago where she said, she said, uh, she's ending a relationship and she said, I'm, I've always had relationships where I've put myself in danger. Every relationship I've had, I've put myself in danger. We ended the conversation and she called me back immediately and she said, I just want to say I'm sorry because by admitting to you that in every relationship I've put myself in danger, that means in every relationship where you were present, I also put you in danger. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about it. I mean, when she had said that, I was focused on what she was saying to me, that she really wanted to get out of this um, cycle of putting herself in danger, physically in danger most of the time, um, definitely emotionally in danger. And when she called back and said that, I went, wow, I... I mean, I'm shocked. I said, you know, the the thing is, is that you weren't a bad mom because you were doing things to me. It was that it was tough for you to be my mom because you were allowing things to be done to us. You were inviting these dangerous relationships in and allowing them to occur around us and to us. And what sucks is that after that, I thought, you know, she, she had all of these really amazing qualities and things that she taught me that were good things that I've been able to separate from the, you know, over the years. And she could have done a really, really great job parenting if she hadn't been constantly in survival mode in her relationships and allowing these things to happen. And I don't want my kids to look at me and think, So it's a direct correlation of baggage. You could have been so much better if you had just not let these things interfere with your parenting. Not the same things. I'm not in a dangerous situation. My kids, I'm not putting my kids in a dangerous situation, but just thinking you had the ability to be really, really, really good and you weren't. And it was because of your own choices. And how awful. So how's that? That that was like a la- last week it was that conversation. And I was like, holy shit. This is my issue. That she could have been great and she wasn't. And it was her choice. And I wasn't worth it for her. Little girl Jennifer didn't feel worth it. And we were in very, very dangerous situations. Yeah. Very dangerous. I, I mean, I hear you. And I hear um, certainly when physical physical safety is put in question. I mean, we're talking about our very basic human Mm -hmm. need. We're not talking about our emotional needs or financial needs or other things. It's like, you know, if we're in life or death situations or we're feeling, you know, physically in our body, like it can be just our very survival is threatened. Um, You know, I think that's probably the hardest, the hardest thing for us as humans to, to heal, 
-hmm. And it is something that I think uh, impacts us like through our whole lives, because if we're, if we, if we learned that as a child, like our physical safety wasn't put first, Mm -hmm. then there's, you know, there's all kinds of things that we can make up from that. A couple of things that you said, food for thought, you know, one of the things you said was my mom had a choice. And I think this is another, mm-hmm. another area where it's kind of tricky, you know, yes, on one level, did she have choices? Absolutely. Um, my mom was not in love with my dad pretty much from the beginning. And I can tell you how many, many conversations we had before she died uh, about how angry I was because I would say to her, why didn't you leave? Because I too, I wasn't physically abused, but it was an emotionally abusive household. And I told her if you had left when I was two, three, four, five, like our lives would have been so different and, um, and felt super angry. And so on one level, like in my own experience, I would speak to her, like you had choices. And then I would hear her tell her story of how she thought if she left that that my dad would never let us see her again that she felt that so in order to protect us in a way even though i didn't feel she was protecting us being in the household she actually stayed in that relationship until i was 17 and my sister was 16 uh, so that she could ensure being around and being in relationship with us and not risk um Sorry, <laughs> somehow my phone is connected to my computer. I um, didn't hear anything. Oh, good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, so this, you know, there's this other level of like, even again, the shame cycles that we can go into and the spiraling we can go into of like, we also had choices, right? And, and if, but if I tell you like, I had the choice to stay in this physically and emotionally abusive relationship and I chose to stay and it was a choice. On one hand, yes, like it was a choice. On the other hand, I can absolutely tell you in the moment that I got hit again and again and again, I did not feel like I had a choice at that time. If somebody had come to me and said, you're choosing this, I would have said, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you, you judgmental, righteous, asshole who doesn't care about me. It could have been my mom, my best friend. It could have been maybe if my child had said that, but you know, at the time they were little and they weren't going to say anything. Um, so this question about choice, it's like, it's a tricky one. It's (laughs) It's another trigger like failure. Let's bring up all the trigger words. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's a tricky one. And I think again, like moving into non-judgment, it's like if you're thinking about this relationship with your mom and thinking about how, you know, even asking yourself, what's the point of reviewing this material from my life with my mom? What's the point? Is it to get her, to make her wrong? Is it to bring resolution? Is it to bring me inner peace? Is it to have a better relationship today? Is it to close the door on the past? Like what? First ask, why am I doing this? Is it an inventory because I am up-leveling in my life and wanting to be more conscious and more loving and move into true unconditional loving relationship with my mom or myself? Or is it, you know, a, you know, getting really honest about why we're even doing that to begin with? That will also, that's again the context, right? That's also gonna frame then the kind of conversation or the kind of things that we're asking 
from those people we're in relationship with, that we're in conflict with, um, and is also going to frame sort of the path that we go down in terms of the inquiry. Um, I think I realized, and I'm turning 50 this year, so, you know, wake up at some point, but mm -hmm. I think I realized that at, at some point in my life, my mom was living her own story while she was trying to parent us. And a child doesn't see their parent living their story. They're just their parent, right? And I know because I've been divorced and been a single mom and blended families and all of the stuff that I've done that regardless of what is going on with my kids when they're little, I'm still, you're still a woman, you're still a friend, you're still a sister, you're still all these facets of your personality. You're living your own life story at the same time that you're parenting your children. And that I didn't really know what my mom's story was. And that in that context, I mean, I wrote a book about my life growing up and how hard it was. And the only reason that was holding me back is that I didn't write it to hurt her. I wrote it to share my perspective, to help someone. I also didn't initiate the conversations with her like that happened last week where she just called and it was like a, a bomb. You know, I, I, I didn't ask, I wasn't initiating it, but when it presents itself, I feel like if it can heal some of that, maybe for her, I don't know what she's carrying from raising two little girls and feeling guilt. Uh, maybe it's for me. Maybe it's at bridging the relationship because there were those, most, most relationships aren't all bad. There's, you know, there's all of, there are all these good things too. Well, why can't we focus on the aspects of the relationship that were positive to bridge that gap and have some healing so I can have a relationship with my mom because now I've realized that she was just trying to, to the best of her ability, live her goddamn story. So here's a reframe for that. You know, okay. it's funny. Um, my daughter's dad lives in California and when she goes to visit him and she comes back, her automatic thing is to immediately go into what went wrong. And she'll sort of download and she'll do the what went wrong. And I'll say then, okay, so what went right? And then, so the what went wrong is like a full two minutes. And then the what went right goes on for like an hour, right? And, and at one point I was like, and I would notice though, it would like take this work, but there was always this tendency to like do the what went wrong to the what went right. Mm -hmm. Here's the reframe for the what went wrong. I believe that that is the material of our growth and our learning. And the reason why we focus on it is because we want resolution. We want understanding. We want clarity because there's the juice. Like that's what I say. This is why I love the work of conflict because when we're in joy and we're in pleasure and we're in happiness, it's amazing. And that is absolutely a group of experiences that we want to have as human beings. But I truly believe that as souls having a human experience, we also want the other stuff. We are not owning that that other stuff is valuable. When we write a book, as I did too, I mean, there's nobody out there doing this kind of work in the world that isn't writing a book, but we're not writing about all the successes. We're writing about the failures, as you say. We're writing about the right. struggles and the disappointments and the self-judgment because that's where the material is of the growth and the learning and the lessons. And when we come through an experience like this from the trauma or the disappointment 
or the failure, however you want to call it, all the way through to the moment in time where we understand, where we've got that self-compassion, where we have that compassion for others, and we come into this state of loving, in, not just in spite, but because we got to experience this darkness, this is like, this is the, the hero's journey, right? The yes, yes. This journey, like yes. this is what every movie is made of that we fall in love with. Right. Right? I mean, this is this is the you know, this is the marathon runner that falls at mile seven and then gets up a mile behind everybody and wins the marathon. Like, this is what we live for. Well, why? Because we see that overcoming those, not just overcoming, but understanding that that was part of the journey and we start to embrace it. This is why we focus on the bad stuff, I believe. Um, And if we remember that when we start doing that, then it's, then we approach it as, not as, oh man, like, oh, I still got all this shit from my childhood. I'm turning 50 years old. Damn it. Like, how am I still here? I should be healed. I should be great. I have all this great stuff in my life. Why is this still bugging me? Well, I say I just turned 50 this year as Yay. well, last year. And <coughs> I say life is interesting this way. <coughs> this keeps me growing, keeps me learning. Would I like to have gotten past some of the childhood stuff? Of course. Stuff that's still lingering? Of course. Because it's not easy. It's uncomfortable. (coughs) So sorry. That's okay. And I'm going to let you talk for a minute. Okay, you got it. So the other thing (coughs) I noticed is that I, when I've, and it wasn't like yesterday or last year that I realized my mom's living her own story. It was a long time ago. Cause as soon as I had kids and my oldest biological daughter's 28, you know, in, in 20, 2020, she's 28 now. So I realized that I could tell my kids or teach my kids or show them that I'm still living my story. And I'm doing, I mean, even the other day, my daughter who's a senior in high school was pissed at me. And I just held her hand and said, I'm a really great mom and I'm trying really hard in the middle of this conflict where you're pissed at me and I'm trying to communicate with you. And some of that is giving you your space, but you have to understand that this goes both ways. And I'm still trying to figure out my story while I'm trying to do the best job at launching yours. And that's not always going to work super well for us. There's going to, you're going to be pissed at me and that's okay because I'm your mom and I can take it. It was about cleaning her room. It was freaking ridiculous but you know I mean the bottom line is that I'm doing a really good job and I'm communicating well and it goes both ways and we're trying to I'm trying to teach you you get you on your journey of your story and of your childhood and into adulthood while I'm still figuring stuff out like there's not a manual for this nor there nor should there be and I'm doing the best job that I can and I think right now like today with you in the middle of this I'm doing really well And you may not feel that way and that's okay. But I think that by learning that my mom had her story because I knew I had mine and talking to my kids about it, like we're all on our own journey and our own story and we're overlapping and I'm trying to be the guide of the hero's journey. And you know what I mean? Like my kids are these little heroes. You want to guide them through. Um, they definitely have learned things much more quickly than I have because most of them are adults now 
And another one of my girls who's 20 was like, word mom. <laughs> Yes, we're all equally, we're, we're all fucking it up. and We're all doing a really great job <laughs> and we're trying and I'm communicating, I'm admitting that I'm a human being that's just not going to have all the answers, but being pissed at me and screaming and slamming your door might not be the answer that, mm. you know, so I'm, I'm thankful that I learned a lot of what I've learned because I get to admit I don't have all the answers and I'm not perfect. And I'm trying to teach you how to have your best journey while I'm still trying to figure out mine and knowing that my mom had hers and it was a disaster. It was a mess for her. And I just happened to get some of the shrapnel off, you know, like mm -hmm. she had a really tough story and I don't even know all of it, but I'm, I'm grateful that it's reframed how I've had conversations and it's also made me really grateful of a relationship, my relationship now and blending families was, I had 14 kids and nine at home and he had four and a dead wife. I mean, like it was, we were, I, I don't know why we thought it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember going, what are we doing? This is crazy. And he, it's the, it's the best relationship I've ever had because we navigate the challenges. Mm-hmm. We don't like give up. We don't, they suck. We work through them, but we have a different perspective that that doesn't have to be our story. And that's again, that's coming back to the context that somewhere along the way, the both of you had enough experiences where either you, you know, fight, flight, freeze, went on automatic, um, felt disempowered, uh, felt like you, you were not choosing or um, in control of your experience that something else was in control and both of you it sounds like got to a point where it was like you know what my life is up to me our life is up to us we can choose to engage and keep going one step at a time um, or bail right yep. or be victims and make it somebody else's issue and and I think that that's I mean I, we hope that that comes with age and wisdom I know plenty of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s who are still living as if they are not the drivers in, in oh. you know, the seat of their lives. Um, and they're having a certain kind of experience. It's not the one I want. <laughs> I had that for a period in my life. I don't want that ever again. I mean, I'm a solo entrepreneur. I work for myself for the last 15 years. Um, clearly, just by that choice, uh, being a single parent also, that was a choice, right? Um, you know, I think, I think that what is really coming forward for me in this conversation really comes back again to not just even why we choose, uh, you know, a life partner, but why we choose any of our relationships. And honestly, I think whether it's parenting or partnering or being, being a child um, or having friendships or work relationships or being part of a community, I think we can, we can kind of streamline our why for each of us. And it's gonna sound a little different for everyone. For me, um, this, this sort of curiosity and inquiry about learning and simply experiencing you know, my whole, my whole reframing of conflict and why this is what I do every single day is because if we as a planet could 
start to embrace the entirety of our experiences, not categorizing them into right, wrong, good, bad, wish I didn't have those, happy I had those, but simply sort of said, ah, oh, like with the deepest breath we could take, like this is my life, this is my life. This was my life and it is my life and my job my, my choosing is to come into as deep and great alignment with it so that I can embrace it, I can accept it, I can love it, all of it, because I, I've come to understand it. But that takes, it takes time, it takes inquiry, it takes curiosity, and it takes a willingness to surrender this notion that it should have been any other way. I think I can relate to that the easiest because someone said, you know, how, how do you do 18 kids? And I said, well, the first thing is that I chose it. I chose that life. And maybe not in the beginning. Okay. I think 18 is a good round number. It wasn't like that. But as time went on and situations presented themselves and life happened, you pivot on each one of those. And that brought me to 18 kids, but I chose that. And I, I don't know if it's because I chose it. I love it or because I love it. I chose it. it or if it, that's just a constant happy hamster wheel, but you're right. I mean, like it's not, there are stresses in it and I'm not great at everything that I do every single day. However, I chose it and I love it. And so because of that, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to have 18 kids. But what you're saying is if we looked at that same sort of attitude in every aspect of our lives, like I chose it and I love it and I'm in the driver's seat and it's, then we would have that same feeling in other aspects also. Am I, mean, I using, using the example from your childhood, I mean, if you were in unsafe situations to say, I chose as a child to be in an unsafe situation, that would just sound silly. Right. Now, if you had chosen to go ride your bicycle at 60 miles down the street without a helmet, and then, you know, that we would have said was your choice, but, you know, your mom being with partners who were unsafe or situations that were unsafe, you didn't choose that. What you do choose today is how you look at that situation. Mm. And if you choose to say, I'm a soul having a human experience, my soul invited mm. certain experiences, didn't necessarily know what they were going to look like invited certain experiences and how I'm choosing to engage with those experiences is in a more of a, an inquiry at this point as to what would I, what could I have learned from this? It could simply be, you know, having, for example, both of us being, being step parents and co-parenting and biological parents, you know, I, I say being a step parent, I, I think we talked about this last time we, we did a podcast I say see, being a step parent is the fast track to unconditional loving. I mean, I think that it's, uh, for me up until this point, being a step parent and also having a relationship with a child of, of a step, uh, the parents of a stepchild, it's, it's for me been the most challenging relationships of my life. Um, and, and I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Crap. Senior <laughs> moment. Senior moment. Um, what was I saying just before? That? Well, if you're inquiry, if you're curious about those experience, you a soul having a human experience. Mm -hmm. We're talking about your kids. childhood, right? And, and and the choosing it. So yeah. again, like it, it, had I known, I could have said one point of view could be 
going back 15 years ago before I became a step parent, had I known then what I know now, would I have made the same choice? Well, from a point of view of avoid all conflict where possible, avoid discomfort, avoid challenging relationships, no way, I never would have chosen that. But if I come from the point of view of I came here to experience a lot of things and I have traveled around the world and I've been married, I'm in my third marriage right now, I've been a biological mom, a stepmom, you know, I've been a, a, a daughter, a stepdaughter. I mean, I've, I've, you know, been 50 roles on the planet. Some of them have been easy, breezy, you know, fantastic. Some of them, many of them have been extremely challenging. Um, I didn't know then what I know now. Um, I probably would have chosen a more comfortable route. That, that younger self would. This, your older self, absolutely not. This, this 50-year-old self wants to choose expansion, curiosity, unconditional loving. So, I mean, this is why I do what I do. I step into difficult situations every single day because, because I know what's possible there. I, it's the material, it's, it's the meat, it's the juice. Uh, and, and I see what happens when people start to wake up right? When, where are we waking up from? From an unconscious, unconsciousness, a lower vibration on the planet, um, more in the dark coming into the light, right? But we have to be in the dark if we're coming into the light. If we're already in the light, then going back into the light, like it's not going to look any different. We need those contrasts, yeah. right? To see the difference. Now, how it, and the funny thing is, is that we're all going to have them. I don't care what anyone is choosing on the planet. There is, there's no life on the planet that goes unscathed. You know, we come in the birthing process. The birthing process for the baby is painful and difficult and uncomfortable. And then they come into the light and the, the air and it's, it's uncomfortable. We die and most of us on the planet would rather not die. At least, you know, it's scary to die or we have some resistance to that, right? But we're all going to die, right? And in between, we're going to live this myriad of experiences and we're going to experience other people dying. We're going to experience ourselves or, or illness of other people. We're going to experience the seasons changing. We're going to experience going from childhood to adolescence to adulthood. And there's pain and struggle throughout. So if that is the case, then why don't we stop resisting the human experience and start saying, this is the fucking human experience. Welcome. <laughs> like, let's do this thing. Like, stop the resistance and stop the judgment because that is actually what's creating so much of the pain and the struggle. That is a great place to end. Stop the resistance and stop the struggle. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having what, me. What a crazy fun coaching session. <laughs> <laughs> this was awesome. Thank you, Belinda. And all your information is in the show notes so people can find you and understand more. I love what you're doing. So I was so excited to see you on again. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>